welcome to another special of Critical Geeks. Following our Last of Us 2 special, I thought I would do a special on a game I've actually played this time, unlike one Ryan has played last time. We're going to be talking about Total War Troy. But not just Total War Troy, which of course is the latest in the Total War series from Creative Assembly, following the historical games such as Shogun, Napoleon and Medieval, and of course their fancy version of Warhammer. We're going to be talking about Total War Troy's new mechanics and how they might fit into the upcoming Total Warhammer 3. The reason why I'm talking th about this is that I'm a massive fan of Total Warhammer. I'm a big fan of the Warhammer franchise. I read the books and its lore. I don't really play the tabletop games. Ryan and one of my friends, Lee, does that. But I'm not really too keen on the tabletop. I love the games. I love the games through its big battles and its ease, of course, of getting those big battles into uh, a game you can play straight away. Uh, tabletop for me, there's too much uh, painting, making, creating and such and such, but obviously we're not going to have an argument over real life gaming and computer gaming. So Total War Troy started off with a bit of controversy when Epic Games uh, announced it would be free of charge for 24 hours. Now you might think to yourself, what's wrong with that? What's the controversy? A free game, that's incredibly rare and especially the latest Total War game because people would have gone nuts buying that regardless. But the game is not going to be released on Steam for a whole year, which has sent people into a fury of anger because PC gamers can't be bothered to click two icons. They have to have one icon to start a game. So instead of talking about what's good and bad in Total War Troy, I'm going to talk about the features of Total War Troy, which you might see in Total Warhammer. And the reason why is that I'm not too keen on the historical settings of the Total War games. Shogun, maybe. Napoleon, maybe. I do love a bit of Sharp, the bastard. But Troy, I thought, was a bit of an uninteresting setting for a Total War game. You've got two sides and minor factions within those two sides. And a lot of the game seems to be just building up your side and ready for the inevitable conflict at Troy, which is a bit dull. Um... I'm not really going to talk about the gameplay as much, but Troy didn't really interest me. I'm more of a Warhammer fan. I like the big fancy battles like dragons, cannons, wizards, demons, monsters, elves, dwarfs, and all that. So I know some people, though, have been unhappy with Total War Troy, or they just don't care, especially the Warhammer fans. You go on Twitter, you see comments when they announce Troy and when they talk about Troy features and the mechanics and the factions. People just go, where's the Wood Elf DLC? Where is it? Shut the fuck up. Give us the... What Wood Elf DLC? They just don't care. But what I'm going to do, spin the positives of Troy, which I have seen and played, because I did get it for free in the first 24 hours. And we're going to talk about those features and why they, hopefully, will be in Total Warhammer 3. Now, we'll start with the visuals of Total War Troy. They, it is a beautiful-looking game. Maybe, again, because we were looking at it in a more realistic setting, you can have these beautiful forests and these beautiful greens of pastures, the blues of rivers and lakes and the darker blues of the oceans. Also, what I really like is on the map screen, when you move over the fog of war, it's actually like a parchment, which burns away as you move through it, uh, which looks fantastic. I mean, any of the Total Wars could have that. I think that's something that all of them could have, especially if they, they go by the same engine and visual features they had. And if you look very close in the, the, the fog of war, you can see artwork and words and scribblings in the actual fog of war itself. It looks fantastic. So the game looks better, but of course it does. It's a newer game. Uh, it, it's obviously been made within the same engine because I tell you this, it looks better and runs better on my PC than Total Warhammer 2 does, which is a little bit annoying if I'm honest with you. 
But, you know, you, obviously visuals is um, an improvement which is always going to come with any game, but it's the art style. If you scroll around the map, you can see it's just, it's a lot more colourful, a lot more vibrant. You can see stuff on the map. You can't interact with it, but you can see like a little wolf. You can see wildlife. Obviously, you know, life is moving and going on. There's pastures with horses and deer gazelles and all sorts going on there's bridges and you know the civilization there it's nice a lot of the areas in total warhammer tend to just be just trees but there's not much detail not much life there or especially the chaos wastelands they're a bit ugly i mean yes okay it's supposed to be the chaos wastelands it's not meant to be a pretty place it's not meant to be uh you know a beautiful lavish surroundings Oh, look how pretty the Chaos Wastelands is today. Ah, yes, I love the burning corpses of many people and other children. It's not supposed to look like that. But um, maybe we can maybe we can put some of this stuff into Warhammer, just improve the visual look. But what's most noticeable is if you scroll up on the map screen on Total War Troy, looking at the distance, you can see this beautiful, colourful art style, which is synonymous with the era, like the sort of painted exaggerations the clouds are incredibly wispy and flowing and they, they don't you know pockets of clouds you can see each cloud moving and twisting within itself like a snake it's beautiful obviously that goes into the myth and the odysseys of the era you know everything was mythical and they're all the stories were much grander than they actually were and that goes into the representation and the over-exaggeration of the arts and stories and textures and books and whatever else you want to call them of what was told in the era. So hopefully the visuals of Total War Troy can come into Warhammer itself. And that also goes into the battles because, you know, you play a Total War game, the whole game's a war, you know, you want to, you want to kick some ass. So when you go into the battles in Total War, the, 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 the settlements are much nicer looking. Again, Total Warhammer tended to just be these the bland maps there was rarely streams or ravines or things to hide around there might be a few trees and such but nothing where you could spring ambushes or have a higher ground especially the siege maps which we'll get into but total hammer troy you've got maps which have got like many many routes to move across the map because there's giant rock formations or cliffs or lakes or buildings and you can't just march towards each other you might have to go okay look i can only get two units through this area i need to hold this area or shoot through it or avoid it completely or flank around and it means you've got many many more options to move your army around yes total war troy the units are a bit boring in my opinion it's the bronze era so it's just men with spears and swords and whatnot much else so yeah everyone's going to be a bit more maneuverable but again that will work even better in total warhammer you've got dragons and massive armored cavalry chaos knights um they're going to be able to move around the map and you've got wood elves you can spring ambushes uh, the dwarves yeah okay they're more of a stationary solid defense but that means the attacker has got to figure out a way to break them down and maybe can use these map uh these areas on these maps to flank them or get around them or if you're a defensive player like yes you play as the dwarves the high elves can be defensive they've got their you know lotham spear uh spear and bow units yeah you can you can hold your position knowing that you can use these choke points to advantage, especially if you've got units of high melee defense and uh, strong armor. You know, if you're playing as a uh, an orc faction, you're not going to be holding your ground for long. But you fling your units around a flank, a few squig herders, some shitty night goblins, just overwhelm them, some boar boys, some orcs. That's how you play as an orc player. You overwhelm quickly and you surround them. That would be easier and more difficult at the same time with some of the maps in Total War Troy. When you've got these choke points and these open areas where you know there's more space here and there's very little space in some river areas, 
that's really interesting. That's like, oh, we've completely now got mechanics which I bought an army for. You know, if I built, say, um, let's use an example, um, I built an empire army. Now the empire have got a terrible front line. They're going to have swordsmen and, you know, halberdiers, but they've got fantastic cannons. They've got fantastic skirmish troops and pistoliers and outrider uh, out grenadiers. They've got brilliant cavalry in the uh, demigriffs. They've got flying units, obviously, Kofrans and some other stuff in there. Yeah, you can be like, right, I'm going to go for this flanking game. I'm going to hit artillery and hit it spells. If your map doesn't accommodate that as the Empire, you're going to have to come up with something else. You, that front line might have to back off a bit and your cavalry might have to charge in into play more dangerous areas. You're going to have to, you might even have to build an army that accommodates those type of maps. Interesting. It's, you know, if those are in the next game, which hopefully they are because they've said how they've got multiple teams working multiple things. Hopefully they are. If there's stuff, if stuff's admitted from a, a later game that is in an earlier game, uh, I can see some of the Total Warhammer fans being angry. Modding, of course, but I think maybe modding maps in that style. Well, we just have to wait and see and see what they can do, can't we? Um, so, obviously, you've got the visual style, which I mean, they're impressed with. We'll talk about some of the UI while we're on about visuals. One of the things that's very annoying in Total Warhammer is the diplomacy screen. It's a bit basic, it's a bit click here, click this, click back. You have to go in and out over and over again sometimes. The Diplomacy screen in Total War Troy has got quick buttons. Do you want to just see, see which factions have got a good choice of trade? Brings up a percentage. Do you want to see which factions dislike you the most? Yeah, you can do that in Total War, but in Troy there's a percentage marker and it's much faster. Again, with um, confederations and all the other various, various aspects of diplomacy. Which uh, means it's a bit quicker because you don't really want to spend your time on those parts, especially when you're trying to get a trade agreement or a confederation and you just click in every turn to be told no. You can at least then say, right, last turn, it was a 50% chance. Now it's a 60% chance. Mm, oh no, it's only gone up to a 51% chance. I'm not clicking again. It's a waste of time. So again, these are small admissions, small changes, small touches. The UI on Troy is very nice with the factions as well. You've got your sort of specific faction summary. And next to that, you've got your diplomacy, your trade, your religion, which again we're going to. But you've got various uh, individual buttons for your very special traits, which are unique to that faction. Um, if you're playing a Sparta, you've got the Spartan colonies and the call to arms mechanics, which are obviously unique to that faction. And while we're talking about the factions, um, yeah, Total War Troy has only got four legendary lords per faction, um, which isn't great when you also consider that there's two factions. So whichever one of those four, eight legendary lords you choose, three of them are going to be on your side unless you go to war with them. And what's the point? If they're legendary lords, you kind of want them on your side. The, the map's filled and filled and filled with just minor factions who you're not really sure who you're supposed to murder. You're not really sure who you're supposed to take over or just have diplomacy with. But some of the factions have unique traits to them in Total War Troy. One faction in particular gets stronger the more allies and the more regions your allies have, which to me is blasphemous. I'll be like, no, they're my regions. Get the fuck out. I'm going to murder you. I want that port because it has lots of lovely gold in it. So I want that faction. So, but again, this is this is a good thing you can look at in the possibility of Total Warhammer 3. Um, we've seen in small amounts that the High Elves have got the influence influence section. You can build influence and use it to manipulate diplomacy. Uh, I'm playing High of Gum at the moment in its later stages where, embarrassingly, I didn't even step foot on Nagarind or the Dark Elf lands. They've, they've been wiped out by the Skaven. Well, I have a, a, a small 
small group of uh, Dark Elves left, which are going to give me a problem. And that area is riddled with Skaven. So what I've decided to do is just go on the diplomacy screen, every screen, and lower their factions liking of each other. I'm hoping to start a war between that Skaven faction and Dark Elf faction, and swoop in and murder them both. Or murder one, and then obviously murder the next. But again, that's very rare. There's not many factions that have uniqueness to an, to an extreme extent in Total War. If you pick a Skaven faction, they're all kind of playing the same way, and depending on the faction you play, other than, say, the Empire, who literally have a, the Elector Counts joining you, you kind of play the same. It's just a simple case of, there's some friends, I'll help them. There's a minor faction, I'll take them out. Where at least in Total War Troy, you got, no, no, you've, you've got a reason to act differently with these factions. So you've got a reason to uh, play with one faction other than the other, other than just the Lord. Like if I play the High Elves, which have, there's far too many High Elf Lords in Total War now, but generally they're all the same. They all play differently other than, say, some unit units. But in Total War Troy, you can pick that unit and the game will say, if you want to play Diplomacy, if you want to play Trade, if you want to be a bit sneaky, if you want to play War, these are the factions for you. You could say that, again, with a Total War game, it's not supposed to be like that, but hey, there's the option. You can always go and paint the map with one of those factions if you want. So hopefully we'll see that in Total Warhammer. Maybe if you've got, say, Dwarf factions, um, you know, let's say that... Um, you've got your four, five legendary lords. Let's say one of them's only interested in murdering a certain race, or one's only interested in rebuilding. You know, the game will say, look, if you spend your time warring, fair enough, but if you rebuild, if you rebuild the Karaks, which of course the dwarves are in a, a decline in the Warhammer world at this, that point, yeah, you'll get lots of bonuses and perks. It will, it, will, it will then mean that as a dwarf player, you're supposed to sit back and hold your ground and build up, which is every dwarven thing to do. You know, they, they hide behind their gates and count their money. Yeah, so maybe that would be a way as a Dwarf player, or any other player, of course, to say, look, when I play as this Lord in the same race, I have to play a different game. It gives more longevity to the game as well. And of course, when it comes to... Um, I suppose we'll talk about some of the... Oh, I didn't mention the weather effects. Right, so uh, you do have weather in Warhammer, but I don't think it does anything in the game. I think it's more visual effects. But in Troy, the game will say, right, it's dark and it's foggy and it's raining. And you go, oh, great, I've got a fast-moving army. This is going to be useless for me. And, uh, I, yes, I forgot to mention as well, the map itself has got um, different terrain types. There's muddy water, there's long grass, there's um, harder soil, which means that faster units can get over it quickly. Or And, yes, you've got that with water in Total War, that you know smaller units will suffer in the water and larger units will suffer in the trees. But, again, it's just spaced out and rare. You don't really care. You don't use it to your advantage. You burst out of some trees with some wood elves, for example, it's an ambush, but you don't think, oh, well, if I can put a unit here and take advantage of that sort of muddy terrain, as soon as infantry come through it, if I've got horses or something bigger, like monsters or whatever, one of us might get bogged down, but it might be an advantage or disadvantage for me. So that's really interesting. Again, like a dwarf army, not going to be faster than their feet if they bring in more stricter restrictions to the speed element. Dwarf army, doesn't matter if they get bogged down in the mud. They're going to kick the shit out of you come to them. But um, a fast-moving army like Yorks, with low armor, fast moving, no crap leadership. Oh, they're just going to be a, a, a gunner's wet dream. Oh, orcs in a wet dream. Terrible thought. Oh, black orcs in a wet dream. Oh, it's Ragnarok spiders. But those, um, you know, that terrain, big units running across it might get stuck, and then you can fucking shoot them. Of course, if you're a dwarf player, that's what you'd be doing with everything, because you just shoot stuff. 
Um, you have religion in Total War Troy. Of course, the gods are a big element. You've got Poseidon. Poseidon? Hey, Poseidon over here. Poseidon. Affect the factions in different ways. If you want your... Again, it goes down to... Uh, I'm playing Total War Troy now. I'm desperately trying to find the button. There it is, Divine World. So you've got, for example, uh, Hera, Zeus, Apollo, Ares, Athena, Poseidon, and Aphrodite. If I click on Aphrodite now, for example, uh, your effects are growth. Growth in it, of course, because you're Aphrodite, there's a lot of shagging going on, so there's going to be growth and happiness. If you've got lots of buildings you want to get up quickly, you may be holding your ground, yeah, you can put some points into Aphrodite and get it to worship you. Ares, for example, he's the he's one of the, the military guys, I can see it right now, 20% uh, income to raiding, looting, and sacking. One plus happiness per war. Good luck if you've got lots of wars going on. 20% um, attack bonus to melee, attack of swords and axe units. That's, pretty, that's a pretty big fucking boost. Uh, all heroes frighten enemy units in battle. Again, the, the, depending on who you pick, Zeus, um, it seems to be a defensive, uh, a military-based guy. Again, uh, Athena, Spears. Yep, Spears, so a more defensive god. You can pray to these certain gods and put building and build buildings in their name. Because in sort of Warhammer, you build a building and it's just growth building, money building, defense building. And there's small variations, rarely, but you know, like they're usually just you know, diamond mines that would be in one of one of 20 maps, for example. But in this, you can say, look, I'm going to dedicate myself to these two gods and I'll get these perks. You could go all out or you could have a little bit in all of them. Again, that's up to you. You've got heroes that can help you with that, just like you would in the other Total Wars. Even mentions there are ways much like civilization that you'd have a super unit who would have a one-use-only um, action that would kill the unit but have create a massive boon, like boost your religion greatly or just finish all the buildings in the entire province like i've got a priestess right now and a little bit weird is that they have a hundred percent success rate on the actions they take so every two turns she boosts religion in that city in civilization of course you would um boost your religion in another city different type of mechanic and game but they still have um defensive and aggressive faction uh, actions in their factions one for example we're boosting that religion the religion aspect, of course, in Total Warhammer, I'm not sure how they would do it because all the races believe in their own gods. The orcs don't. If you're playing an orc player, you're not going to be suddenly praising Sigmar. Oh, yeah, you know, um, their gods are more... I guess their more gods are more a base. Um, you know, they have a reason for existing. The god helps with this and that god helps with that. Where the Empire, oh, every day they're praising Sigmar. Praise Sigmar for this. Guy bumps into me a street, right? Fucking... Fuck you, pray Sigmar. And the guy's like, oh, I got the last bit of food in the market. Pray Sigmar. Every day there's a Sigmar. Carl Franz, he's got bloody Sigmar bedspread, Sigmar curtain, Sigmar soft toys. Oh, he can't shut up about Sigmar. So the, I suppose the problem is when you've got factions that have got their own gods anyway, is there any point maybe giving the religious boosts to them? Because they're all gonna, everyone's going to have this, the boosts all the time. Maybe. We'll see. Um, is it pointless having Dark Elves worshipping their gods and the High Elves worshipping their gods, etc, etc? If that's the only boost they're going to get, you might as well just give them a trait or a positive boost anyway. Unless maybe you can take out the religion or the religious buildings and that will harm them. Who knows? Um, I wouldn't say that other than sort of Gork and Mork in the Orc, you really see examples of, and maybe the Horned Rat in Skaven, you don't see many examples of religion being physically alive Oh, yes, okay, the Chaos Gods, but 
let's be honest, we know the chaos is going to get a revamp. And we know the chaos invasion is going to be the main focus. Again, I won't start on that. It's it's boring to me. But mm, I don't think gods will get quite the working that Total War Troy has, where they can be used strategically and you can use many of them. I think we may see them de very dependent on the, the factions, or if not at all. Or if not at all. So we'll talk on to the resources, which is probably the most interesting, probably the most interesting element of Total War Troy. You have four resources in Total War Troy, when in Total Warhammer you have one. You have money, and money does everything. In Total War Troy, you have food, which is the basic resource required to train and support units. Wood, basic resource to construct buildings. Stone, uh, which of course is more advanced buildings. Because again, this is it in the Bronze Era. They're not going to be having giant metal. They don't have steel and iron. They don't have giant towers shooting shit. Like, they don't have cannons. It's all very basic stuff. Bronze, which of course is the big, uh, you know, all oh, this is what everything's made of. Um, that will basically equip your more advanced units, which you have income for. So that's where your income comes from when building the super units. You have to have bronze. And you've got gold, which is an interesting one. So it says here on the game, gold is the rarest resource required to construct special buildings or train and support the best troops. So obviously this is your regiment of, uh, regiments of renown, your super troops, maybe your heroes. It is gathered in gold mine settlements. There are deposits of different size, and once the deposit runs out, the settlement will provide only 10% of its reduction. So yeah, if you take a, if you take a, a, a province off someone, specifically you say, right, they're a minor faction, they've got a gold mine, fuck them. I want that gold mine. You know you've got to move your ass because that gold is being dwindled out by that faction. And when, of course, the gold's gone, well, that big risk of taking a war, taking it for a war, like if you're going for a resource war of some sort, it's gone. I don't know how long these resources last. I suppose it depends on the building. That depends on the faction. That depends on the units you're building. It depends on trade and all sorts of stuff. But it means that if you're taking that building for gold... Thank you. Um, if you're taking the building with God, I'm playing the game sort of off in the distance here. If you hear any uh, clicky clicks and, of course, um, armies. There you are. I've just found one of my factions that got gold in it. And what's interesting is gold is asked by the the other factions left, right and centre. They will happily take gold off you for any other thing. I'm pretty sure you can trade regions and provinces, which again is something they want in Tilhammer 3. You could... Because you, if you've got three, build, three regions and you lose one and one of your allies comes over and takes it, you can't get that back because they've taken one of your regions. You lose the um, the commandment. You lose the perk of having all of them yours. Unless you go to war with your own guys. No, it's a terrible idea. You must just kill everyone. You, you're not get, You know, if the Empire go in and take one of your buildings as a dwarf and don't give it back, that, the dwarves will fucking go to war with you. That's a grudging. Oh, that's a grudging. They do love a good grudging. Every day they're grudging. But of course you would. Um, but then you can trade regions now. I've gone off a bit. A tangent, uh, which is good, uh, and it kind of makes sense because if you've got one region, they've got one region, and you want each other's regions, yeah, hopefully the AI would do it. Um, I know there's a few exploits that's been happening to War Troy with the resources, I'm not going to go into those, that's up for other uh, YouTubers and other guys to do, but anyway. So, for example, I've got a region here which has got a symbol over it which says gold mine settlement, so that means that in that settlement, specifically, you can build gold buildings. It cannot build food, it cannot build wood, it cannot build stone. And that's interesting because it means, right, this building is specifically going to be for this resource, which saves up your main faction building, of course, your, you know, your capital of that province, to do all your religion and armory and troops and such. 
but what's really interesting is if you look on the actual buildings, um, if you you know watch a YouTube show because it's not a YouTube show, and then obviously highlight uh, you know highlight the different ones here. I will read them out. So you've got five five different type of gold buildings you can build in Warhammer. You'd have one, and there'd be three of them. You'd have one two level one two three, and it'd be like money money more money. But this we've got five. So the first one would, would give you eight gold per turn, and it deploys the local deposit. And high influence bonus, 10 gold per turn. So that is, and then at the very maximum, it'd be 21 gold and 27 gold per turn in the high influence bonus. So trickling in the gold. Second one, 15% uh, construction cost to all buildings in this province. So if you get that up first, you're saving money on well, money resources in the other one. 28 gold per turn. So it gives you per turn higher, one higher than all the others. And the construction bonus, it's way more expensive to build than the other one, or it uses different resources. But it also has a minus 10% influence over this province, which is something they've brought in, the sort of influence factor. Um, the higher influence, the more money, blah, 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 blah. Rule decrees, events, you know, it, it, the influence helps your faction generally. Again, might see that total war. Who knows? Um, but okay, so you get, a, you get a perks with this one, and you get things against you. Next one, a gold market. At the top level, 3% gold per turn, faction-wide. So that's boosting all the gold you're producing by 3%. Minus 20% to resources, to all resources in this province. So that means if your other buildings are producing money, uh, gold, bronze, and food, they're getting boosted by this one. But, as you can tell, 3% gold per turn means this province is not actually physically giving you any gold because of that building. That building isn't giving any gold out of this deposit, but it's boosting everything else. So if you had one of these buildings in all the uh, uh, regions in the province, you're getting 20% boost, 40, 60, 80, or if it stacks that much, to all the other resources. So you've got a resource farm all of a sudden, but at the, at the, at the lack of this particular one using its resources. Now, you can obviously have three different buildings in the faction other than the capital. So maybe you can have this one which adds the percentage up, and then have the first one, which gives you a little bit of gold, which means that's also being boosted by percentage. But of course, the other resources in the buildings would, might be stacking, because they're all doing the same thing, but it's, it gives a, a minus four happiness. Happiness is very important. It's basically the, you know, the morale and the, uh, the, the, the happiness of that, that building. If the happiness goes down, it'll rebel, and you'll have a random army pop out you've got to deal with. So again, quite important. Uh, public favour in Total War, sorry, it's called. Last building, Jeweller. This is, so this building has 43 gold per turn, which means the resources are going to be depleted much faster compared to the 20, 21 and 27. It's much higher. And a high influence bonus of plus 60. So you've got a really high influence in this region. You're getting way more gold. Way, way more gold. But I'll go through the cost. 265 gold already, so you're using, having to use up gold that you're getting to build it. 2,000 stone and 2,000 wood. The first building... 100 bronze and 1,000 wood. It is so much more expensive in resources to build this last level building than the others. You're using a large amount of wood, you're using a large amount of stone, you're using up gold, which yes, you're going to be getting back, and it, but it's going to be depleting that settlement quicker. If that's a frontline settlement, then maybe that's a good idea because you want to get that gold out as quickly as possible just in case it suddenly is at war constantly. So you've got this interesting factor of, let's say we have this one, which is pumping out, way really expensive to do though, but it's pumping and it, takes longer to build, um, it's pumping out the gold much quicker. Add that to the 3% um, gold per turn, you're getting 3% on top of the higher amount you're getting. 
it's interesting because you've now suddenly got multiple buildings. And of course, I don't, you don't have to have three or four gold buildings in one region. You can build your usual you know, military stuff. I mean, there's buildings all over the map here. I could build, you know, my watchtower patrols, my guardhouses, maybe. And obviously, if you play Total War, you know that your minor buildings are what you put a lot of your military buildings in because they don't go above the rank of three. You don't need that. You just don't need that above the rank of three. So you don't put it in the main building because it's a waste. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting because you've got now multiple buildings and go, right, this is cheap, but the gold comes slower. This is expensive, but it's pumping the gold out really quickly. This one will boost everything else, but make me unhappy. And this one will give you a, a, a construction boost, but the influence isn't as high. So it's very interesting to do. And what you've also got is a level one building where all the others go up to level three. Um, and this, um, I think it might be default building. Or, again, it, well, it's not a default building. I know it's not a default building, but, like, it, it's... It's a bit of an interesting one because it's only one, one set, uh, you know, you've got a segment one size. So you can build that really quickly. That puts out 39 gold per turn. Very close to that super expensive building. It's really cheap to build, but it has minus 70 growth. Minus 70 growth is quite a big hit to growth. That's quite a big, big hit. And again, this whole region you might be pumping money into, using it as a money one for the gold. You're probably not going to build any food places here because why would you? But you might have another region that is focused on food. So let's say you've got a minus 70 um, growth penalty. You could build in the food resource area, which is getting super expensive. I've got one here which puts 310 food per turn. Um, yeah, you're pumping out food to boost your units, but you're having a kick to the growth. Um, this one building, however, 200 food per turn, plus 50 growth. So building that, you offset the, you're going to offset slightly, but not enough. It's still going to be in minus. The perks of you having that of a building. So it's interesting because whatever you build, you can go for the cheaper options, but the resources aren't going to come in as high. You might have to go, look, I can get away with, with the growth not being as high. It doesn't need it. It's going to take a long time anyway. I'm sure minus 30 is fine. Or, of course, if that building's at level three, and all the buildings are at this top level, level three, you've only got to worry about the main settlement getting to level five. That takes a long time anyway. And it has its own growth. Um, yeah, sod the growth. If that building's completely, you know, when I've got regions on Total Warhammer and they've all got to the top levels, I'm deleting those growth things immediately. I'm moving troops out, that are, are, are handmaidens or whatever special units, you know, like warrior priests that are focusing on the growth. They can fuck off and go somewhere else because they don't know they're physically not needed anymore. It, it's so much more interesting, the buildings. You've got, reasons to not build resource buildings over others and that's fascinating because i can say right yeah this is more expensive but in the long run and again total war games are long the more provinces the more that money flies up and the more resources go up and up and up and up and up is it beneficial to get what you need now or is it beneficial to say look in 50 turns time i'm going to be killing it with the resources so i hope you can see that in total war as for unique resources themselves, I don't think we'll see this until war. I don't think we'll see different types of resources for the simple reason that um, if you've got iron, let's say iron is one of the unique resources in um, Total War. Well, um, wood elves don't really use a lot of iron, really. 
But the dwarves do. Are you going to say that if they don't have iron resources, they can't build their troops? Or are we going to say, oh, they're more expensive, say, or there's more upkeep? I don't know. You know, you've got bloody iron breakers and hammerers and giant shield walls of um, dwarven units. They're all they're all armoured, so in theory, you've got to say we're in the law. They're pumping out iron left, right and centre, where the Empire, yeah, they're going to be having iron for their troops, but not as much. The Skaven, very little. <laughs> They don't exist anyway. <laughs> what a what a notion. They, they you know, they're, they're going to be, they don't fucking arm their troops, fuck them. The Bretonians, are they going to give iron armor to their peasants and their men at arms? Absolutely not. I don't know how that's going to work. Um, you know, some factions are going to use those resources way more than others, where in Total War Troy, everyone uses it on their units. The specific use of those resources is for specific things in the game. Are the Wood Elves going to need all the wood in the world and all the food in the world? Everyone's kind of got these sort of unique uh, traits. Like the Skaven do. Skaven have food. Peasant uh, Bretonians have their peasant farms. I think they'll stick with them, but hopefully we can see different types of resource buildings. So you can say, hey, look, we've got uh, a growth building here that does really good growth, but uh, it's higher upkeep. Maybe they'll do it with the upkeep. Maybe they'll just stick to money, but there'll be an upkeep factor to it. Who knows? Hopefully we'll see in future, but I really like the resource mechanic in Total War Troy. Um, it just brings a way more element to the building side of things. And hopefully we'll see that in Warhammer. Maybe maybe we'll see settlements that have warp zone underneath them. And it sends the Skaven fucking crazy when they, you know, they, they boosts their armies in that region like crazy. Or is it worse for them because they they want the warp stone? And if you can't get enough warp stone, maybe the armies start falling apart. Or diplomacy options, if you're Chaos Dwarfs, who were fucking better seen to Warhammer 3. If you're the Chaos Dwarfs and you've captured a mountain and there's warp stone in it, the Skaven will be like... Well, give us that fucking warp stone because as a coast horse you won't use it yeah maybe they'll have resources like physical resources that are unique maybe they'll just stick to money but they'll say right well look this is an iron mine so maybe if the dwarves have got it maybe it lowers the upkeep yeah maybe maybe but that's how they do it maybe there's like a wood settlement oh that wouldn't work for the wood elves because they, they're all in wood settlements but let's say for example the wood elves are in a, a wood settlement that produces wood it lowers the upkeep so if you're um if you're the Skaven and, you know, the Chaos Dwarves have got a, a, an area with warpstone in it, you can be like, you know, what do you want to trade? We'll give you A, B or C for it. And they'll be like, well, we can raise the prices up. Who knows? Um, who knows? I really do do hope it does come in because it is very interesting. Um, and let's, I'm going to talk lastly about something which Total Warhammer definitely needs this. It 100% needs this. They've got very small amounts of this already with very specific units against other specific units, but they definitely need this. In Total War Troy, when your lords attack each other, they will square off one on one and all the troops will back the fuck off and break away from them. That 100% needs to be in Total Warhammer. Do I think it will be in it? I'm going to say probably not. For the same simple sad reason that Total War Troy is a load of blokes. And Total Warhammer, you've got dwarves, humans, elves, skaven, lizard men, blah, blah, blah. They're all different sizes. The dueling mechanic in Total War Troy is brilliant. They may have it, but what they will probably lose is the animations, which is what makes it so brilliant. When you watch the animation in Total War Troy of their fighting, they're parrying, they're blocking, they're spinning, they're deflecting hits, they're headbutting, they're like hitting each other. It looks like a physical fight. You, you see blows landing, but they're not lethal blows either. So it's not like they're just stabbing each other like in Total Warhammer. They're just trading blows. 
left, right, and center, just bonk, 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 your turn, hitting you, now it's your turn, which they do in, you know, a lot of the Total Wars, yes, but in Total War Troy, you generals will separate, and they'll be parrying and ducking and spinning, like, shields will come in, and spears will be parrying, bouncing off shields, it looks fucking great, are you telling me you don't want to see Grigmore, uh, Grimgore Ironhide having a special, unique looking fight against a dwarf? Maybe they can just have a single animation. But I don't, again, if you've got high elves that have got swords and high elves have got spears, you're going to have to have different animations for them. They've done it in Troy. Maybe they can do it. I mean, the problem, of course, is the height. If you've got Grimgore Ironhide, who's going to be nine foot fucking tall, and he's fighting a little pissy goblin war bus. There's going to be like a six foot difference in between them. It's not, it's going to look daft, I guess, if they're parrying each other's blows. But it would look really cool because I've seen videos of like um, lizard men monster units fighting um, hell pit abominations and it's sweeping legs from each other and they're having a jumping on each other on the floor. I'm like, yes, that's great. But I think the problem with that is because they're the same size, they can do it. Until Warhammer, what if you've got a lord on a horse? Because there's barely any fucking horses in Total Troy, didn't we start? But you say you've got Carl um, Franz on his giant eagle, and you've got a Skaven assassin lord. Again, you're going to have to have animations of Carl Franz and his eagle not immediately murdering the Skaven guy. But then you can maybe duck around and be like stabbing left, right, and center, and like trying to get his blows in. If you haven't seen those, if you haven't seen them at Total Troy, it's definitely worth checking those out. Find a video of just the the the, the generals, the lords facing off against each other, it's very, very cool. It's very cool, and it's probably my most wanted thing in Total Warhammer. And unfortunately, I just don't think we'll get it. I think it's the most unique and visually pleasing thing that Total War Troy has. I don't think we'll have it in Total Warhammer, and it's a shame because in Total Warhammer, the idea that these, like, these legendary lords are such absolute badasses and they'll single each other out for a fight, is completely common. Like, if you're... If Grimgore Ironhide wouldn't waste his time killing swordsmen, he'll look for the biggest, baddest general on the battlefield. It'd be some fucking... <laughs> it was some Marienburg Lord with 57 feathers coming out of his cap. And he's going to want to go over there and kick his fucking dick in. <laughs> I'm just laughing at my own... Grimgore Ironhide going, I'm going to kick his fucking dick in. Uh, I don't think he'd say, don't think he'd say that. He's, he doesn't swear, Grimgore. He just doesn't... But yeah, you, you what? So if you've got Grimgore and the captain, you're like, right, it's one on one. One of us is going down. He's not going to refuse the fight, is he? It's not like it's not like I don't know. Let's say you're a Skaven player and you have a Lord in a unit and you then run that Lord away because you know that Lord dying will lose you the game and you're like a massive wimp. I can't think of any examples. It's just one I've popped off the top of my head, <coughs> Ryan. But yeah, you want to see those epic fights. And seeing those epic fights, not just epic... It's not Whack'em Robots. What's that fucking robot thing called Whack'em Sucking Robots? When they just back, 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 back and forth hitting each other? No, I, I, it's a shame because I can't see the mechanic working visually. It's I guess it comes down to effort. Do they want to put the effort in to have multiple types of lords with multiple types of races all having to have animations against the other types of races, because there's going to be way more races in Total Warhammer 3. We're looking forward to different types of Chaos and Demons. You're going to have Chaos Dwarves. There's a possibility of Amazons. Um, and then think of, let's say you've got a Chaos, let's say Dwarf, Dwarf Lord, short ass with his hammer, fighting against a Bretonian Lord on his horse. Are there going to be these stock animations? 
you know, are you going to see Grimgore and Hyde parrying and backing off? He wouldn't do that. He'd just be swinging crazily. It's interesting. I think it's a shame. I think they'll probably not bother putting that in Total War. Um, purely because of how much effort it might be for that particular game. Or the other games, yeah, they can do it easy because it's just men, man versus man. Um, I know Three Kingdoms is a little bit more wacky when it was hero focused, but yeah, I can't see it happening in, in, in Total Warhammer 3, which is a shame. But, you know, hopefully, the, I mean, these are all just some of the, the mechanics I've just jumped on from Troy, which I've seen in the, in the admittedly short time I've been playing it. But are they going to be implemented into Total War? A lot of them are visual, visual traits, sure. Um, a lot of them are very simple, just adding a small gameplay mechanic or a victory condition or traits to what's kind of already there. Resources, I don't think we'll see resources coming into play in terms of actual trading and using them to build things. But I do think we'll see resources come into the game in a sense of this will get better. You've got a boon or a perk. I mean, how could you do it? Dwarves, okay, obviously, gold mines, iron mines. They'll want to get their hands on those. Gold mines, everyone want to get their hands on the gold mine. I can, because he does now, it does that already in Total War. He does have, you know, like if you have an iron mine, oh, you would get slightly less upkeep on this type of unit. So they've kind of got it already, but I would like to see it be an actual physical trait in some sort. Like lizard men could be like, oh, we found these, you know, ancient tablets of mystical writing. And the lizard men would be like, oh, fuck you, that's in the grand plan. Give us that shit. Uh, the high elves, maybe, you know, I don't know, pottery. Uh, some nice makeup and some hair extensions. You know what high elves are like. Dark elves, nice murder pit, you know. Some boiling vats to boil and skin people alive in. There's lots of different races, so you can't really have them littering the map. I keep thinking back to come back to the warstone, because that's most warpstone, because that's the most obvious one. Um Yeah, maybe you know, like you oh, maybe you wouldn't know it's there. If you're the Empire and you've taken over a region, you wouldn't know there's warpstone there. Um but the Skaven would. So then the Skaven would be like, well, we want that fucking building. They don't know what's in there. We want that. Who knows? Who knows? I, I think I think Troy has got a lot of nice re things going into it. Obviously, this is the point of this, this podcast. As a Warhammer player, the region, the region, the era and the setting and the story, it just doesn't interest me. I will play it. I will play some more Troy. I'll start it again. I'll put some more research into it. Because right now I'm playing a Spartan. I'm just meandering around. I'm sitting there for turn after. I'm in 40 turns. I'm going... Not doing anything. I'm just building buildings. Should I be starting war with people? I don't really know who's friends. I don't know who's enemies. Should I just murder everyone who's not a legendary lord? But then some of the legendary lords who are friends with me and literally brothers in the game or fathers, they're friends with these factions. So I know the whole point is to unite as much as your side as possible before going over to the other side and fighting. But yeah, it doesn't interest me where Total Warhammer, you've got 97,000 different factions and races all hating each other for different reasons. I mean, in, in Warhammer, for example, dwarves have known to go to war with each other because of grudges. They're like petty little grudges. They'll happily kill each other. Uh, and, it, and you see that in the Total War games, the High Off Island, for example, in Oathline, it's you're just thinking, oh my God, I need to murder these other High Elves or the Confederate with me because I don't want you on this island. I want your lands. Warhammer's all about war. And there's more races in it, so it makes sense that they're all at each other's throats. Um, where with me, with Troy, the whole one-on-one -on -one with minor factions in between them, it didn't work for me. But if you've got more reasons to interact differently with the races, which we've seen in Troy, 
with the different types of lords and the, the, the ways that they are supposed to be played. Like the video, the videos that they, they did to introduce the game, they said, this is Paris. If you like a hero that does this, this or this, play as Paris. If you like someone who is uh, trade-based, play as this character. It adds more of the strategy element other than the paint the map aspect of just murder everyone on Total War. Because let's be honest, when you play, I mean, when you play a Total War game, you don't do you want you don't want to just be the dominant force and kill everyone. You want to stand shoulder by shoulder with certain races in these big dramatic battles. Um, I guess that is why the Chaos Vasion is there, but it doesn't work too well when they just pop up in the corners of the map and usually get murdered immediately by the Empire or Kislev or by whoever they're nearby. Like, I'm playing as the High Officer right now, and I'm trying to get over to the fucking Chaos Invasion so I can help out. I've barely seen them. Barely seen them. Um, but yeah, Troy, so Total War Troy, lots of interesting mechanics. Whether or not you like the game or like the setting, well, that's Total War. You've got lots of different eras. Some people weren't interested in um, Empire Total War. They weren't interested in Napoleon Total War. And I can see why. Napoleon Total War, it's just people lining up with guns and shooting each other. Uh, Shogun Total War, people love the Japanese era. That's popular. Um, medieval Total War, it's just Bretonia, <laughs> let's be honest. But you've got still got a mix of units. Troy, it's a bit too interest, infantry focused for me. There's no artillery. You do get, and I use... I use finger quotations, heroes, but they add to the myth. I think the problem with Troy is that you've got a realistic Total War game set in an era of an unrealistic stories. You've got minosaurs and such, and they're not represented in the game other than just blokes, which goes into the whole myth slash legend, where Total War hev leans heavily on this is fantasy. These are these weird, kooky, weird, crazy units. Yeah, you've got giant dragons and stuff, and they physically exist in the world. Um, and I think that's why some people are polarised by it and that's the reason why I did this 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 uh, little special to see if of course if there are Total Warhammer fans that weren't interested in Total War Troy like myself to at least say well look there are some positives maybe give it a go it's too fucking late now if you haven't got it but you can buy it um, maybe give it a go and you can say oh this is really good I like this I would like to see that in Total Warhammer 3 maybe we will maybe we won't who knows but if you enjoyed this, obviously feel free to leave a comment on Twitter. Send us an email at criticalgreetspodcast at gmail.com. And of course, follow us on Anchor and listen to us on iTunes podcast as well. And remember, if you are ever in trouble, summon the letter counts. <laughs>